Blog Talk Radio. Fantastic Friday morning myself, right here in Pacifica at home today doing the podcast, so right on the beach, got to do a little morning walk, got some groceries earlier, got some stretching in, so I am ready to go, and as you saw from my bajillion ADHD notes, uh, Mike, I am super excited about what happened, we're not super excited, I'm super uh, excited about all the action that the Giants have had, we've had some big injuries, so I can't say I'm happy for how the last week has gone down, but We've had some, some crazy things, and it seemed to spark a little bit of life back into our boys and kind of lit a fire under our, under our ass. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, hopefully that whole situation that we're probably we're going to get into a little bit. But, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's give a little history on um, what's, what's happened so far with the Marlins. We had that four-game series where we were up in each game and ended up blowing the first three. Then we took that last one. And I think what was it the last game of that series that that uh, we started the whole whole situation that took place a couple of days ago, or was it the game before that? Oh, you know what, Mike? I don't, I don't remember which game it was because I was doing a lot of research on what pissed off Strickland. But uh, from one of the articles I read, uh, there's an article written by uh, a Giants fan who was pissed beyond belief that Strickland's stupidity could put Buster Posey in danger, and that's something we'll talk about later, Mike. Um, but I believe it was Brinson had a big hit in one of those games in Miami, one of those four games that we blew. Or sorry, one of those you know four, four games where we blew three games and we blew four leads. But, yeah, um, he had a huge hit, and he got really excited. And so that sparked rumors that Strickland was upset. So I went back and I watched some video, and it was true because when Strickland phrased Brinson next, his first pitch was 97 or 98 up and in. And it was – like there's there's message pitches you could you know buzz him back on the waist buzz him back around the hip area but he threw up and in at his head um, wasn't gonna hit him obviously but still just to throw that hard he knocked Brinson to the ground uh, and then right after that Brinson promptly ties the game with a hit he then holds his bat out towards right. Strickland jaws at him runs flips the bat you know totally in his face and then jaws continues the jaw as he rounds first base. So that's where it got a little chippy, or not a little chippy, that's where it got really chippy. But, Mike, oh, man, I was thinking, you know, I knew this would be a big topic for you and I today. And I was thinking, but after reading that article and watching Strickland throw 90, you know, upper 90s up and in at him, I mean, would you react any differently? Brinson's a first year. This is, he's a rookie player on a very shitty team. No offense to the Marlins. He got traded in a huge trade for Christian Yelich. So he is already slumping, and he's you know, supposed to replace a super, you know, a pretty good superstar, almost in my opinion, in Yelich. Um, and you know, he's had a he's had a bad season. So for him to get some big hits and give his team some momentum, um, you know, you, you gotta you gotta tip your cap to him, right? I mean, Strickland shouldn't have given up that hit, but. I don't know, Mike. What, what did you think? I mean, I know you probably watched it all and saw a bunch of stuff and read articles, but it was just it was a bizarre kind of uh, happening there. Yeah, you know, I I really I was okay with the the bat flip because I probably would have done the same exact thing, especially after getting buzzed by a ninety mile per hour fastball. Yeah, you know, right, right up my grill. 
you know, I'd be like, okay, well, if that's how you want, that's how you want to do it, then fine. And then getting that hit, I'd I'd be super pumped too. Toss my bat. I think where he went wrong, where he where it went too much, was as he's rounding the bases. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, yeah. whether it deserved retaliation, if there was retaliation, I don't know. But if to deserve that kind of response, that's where I kind of. I don't. I don't. The Giants have had a lot worse situations. Um, remember back in the playoffs, I believe it was Marco Scudero who got just like drilled on second base intentionally <laughs> by, and by Matt Holiday. They did nothing in return. Play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they did nothing in return, which was I thought the most mature mature aspect to handle it that way. And Carter, then if I could, yeah, uh, if I could jump in real quick because you brought up yeah. one of my favorite moments in all of life. Okay, so. Matt Holiday slides, you know, Matt Holiday's probably, what, six foot four, two hundred and forty, fifty pounds of muscle, right, what he looks like, and Scudero has to be, what, five, five, ten on his tippy toes? Um, so, if you have right. that, yeah, so Scudero's trying to turn a double play. Holiday has a really late slide, goes past the base and destroys Scudero's hip. Um, everyone was pissed off, but the coolest part that happened was Scudero later in a huge, uh, he had a huge at-bat, it was the bases loaded, he hit a line drive to Matt Holiday. Uh, base hit to Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday misplayed it, so all three runs scored. And then, and then, and then, on top of that, to end the NLCS in Game Seven in the pouring rain, Matt Holiday hit a pop up to Marcus Scudero, who made sure he called off every single person in sight. No way <laughs> Belt was getting there. No way. I think Crawford was playing short. Uh, I don't know who we had in right field. I think we had tenth. Yeah, we had tenth in right field. But he was like, no, Fans, calling yeah. it off, calling it off, and he caught the last out from Holiday. But like you said, Mike, they didn't do anything about it by hitting anybody or putting them on the bases. They just beat them, and that's the way you do it. Yeah, and so with that, yeah, exactly. It, it's so did he really intentionally do that, especially when – because that's the manager's call, right? That that would be something mm-hmm. that I wanted to say Dusty Baker, but um, that would be what Bruce Bochy would, I would imagine, would make the go-ahead on that. Yeah. And if he's not going to make the go-ahead to go on Scudero on that, then why would he do something – like down at Fort Brenton, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe it just happened. I don't know. Maybe the pitcher. No, that no. Rodriguez wouldn't wouldn't deal with that. Being a rookie, and no, he wouldn't go. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the cool thing, Mike, was actually I was able to go to the game that game where Rodriguez hit Brenton the next day, and then also Posey got drilled right away after. So I got I got a a nice view from the right field. I was in the right field bleachers and I uh, moved right by the wall and then I moved around to the left center bleachers. Um, just a few observations I wanted to point out, uh, Mike, from that. So obviously, yeah, so after Strickland gets pulled, Brinson's on third base. So Strickland jaws at him, you know, when the cameras zoom off and he puts his cam, you know, his uh, glove over his mouth and then he goes, breaks his hand on a door like an idiot instead of breaking his non-pitching yeah. hand, but whatever. Um, so the next day, uh, so let's okay. So first off, Posey hit a 420 foot bomb. Not only is that awesome, but it's 400. You know, it's 420 in San Francisco. So you gotta you gotta love those numbers. Uh, but no, he hit an absolute mammo to uh, I think left center field in the first inning. And then after the Brinson thing, so that was one thing that kind of pissed me off a little bit as well. Was that Posey went yaya off Australia and then was the one they hit. But so before we even do that, let's back up a little bit. So what I really liked, Mike, this is. Okay, I hate I hate promoting people getting pegged in baseball, but there's a right way to do it. Derek Rodriguez yeah. is a rookie, right? He's trying to earn his stripes. He's trying to get the respect of everybody. He wants to prove that you know I'm not you know I'm not riding on my Hall of Fame father's coattails. No, I'm I do my own thing. I'm here. I'm a pitcher. I'm not a catcher. I'm nothing like that. I am a, my own player. So for um, Rodriguez, I believe it was second and third with one out, and Brinson was up uh, the, in the eighth spot before the pitcher is up. Rodriguez. First pitch, right in the hit. And doesn't even mess around. And he yeah. threw it right in the hit. And I liked it because he kept it low. He kept it low. And Brinson right away dropped his bat. And he knew, right? And in Brinson's mind, I mean, this is terrible to say, but, hey, that hit against Strickland, that got him some, you know, uh, his on-base percentage up because he got hit the next day, right? And, hey, he's on base, so you got to like that for his numbers. Um, but, no, obviously you don't want to get hit by mid-nines in the hip. But, yeah, so Brinson gets uh, hit right away, and then Rodriguez uh, gets the pitcher out and then gets the leadoff hitter out right away. So those were, that was a huge ending, but it also showed that Rodriguez was able to gamble on himself 
and trust his uh, his you know fastball and his off speed enough to get the nine and one uh, spots out. Obviously, the pitcher getting out is not a big deal, but getting that leadoff hitter out as well was a huge deal. So Rodriguez really did a good job, and I really liked that. Um, however, what was terrible is that Posey was hit way too high for my liking. Um, I don't want to yeah. bash Don, uh, Dan Straley, you know, in too much. He's you know a professional athlete; he knows what he's doing. But I thought that was uh, BS, on, and uh, you know, on his end. The ball got Posey in the elbow or upper wrist area. He had to kind of recoil a little bit and almost got hit by the shoulder. It seemed like it was a very strange, you know, upper, uh, you know, upper body area, and you don't want to throw that. Either throw it, you know, in between the back blades and give him time to turn, or you know, aim a little lower for his hips. Uh, and so that was something I really didn't like. We booed him really loudly. Everyone was pissed off when he got, um, you know, straightly walked off the mound after getting injected. Him and Don Mattingly, who, you know, for my era, Mike. I know you probably remember Mattingly as a um, excuse me as a Yankee, but for me, I I yeah. totally think of um, you know Mattingly as a um, as a Dodger coach. So for me to see Mattingly, yeah. you know, giving the okay for Straley to hit my favorite, you know, one of the best players in the Giants, man, I was pissed. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you one bit, and and you're absolutely right about about that. The the whole situation with him getting beamed up in the upper arm bicep area, it was just uncalled for because these pitchers have so much control. We're not talking like little league pitchers that you never know where the ball is going to fly at. These pitchers can, can hit, you know, a, a BB off a, off a soda can from, you know, 15 yards, you know, these guys can do that. So for him to, to miss like that, you're just, it's uncalled for, and I, Bochy, oh my goodness, did he ever just like light oh, up? He I'm, was I'm pissed. I have never well, seen him that angry before. Yeah, and Mike, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a really weird interaction. So what happened was, so obviously in baseball they want you to be fair, right? Everything needs to be fair and equal. So after Rodriguez hit Brinson right away, the home plate umpire warned both benches. Um, Brian right. Natalie came out right away because he was pissed off. He wanted both teams to be able to hit someone before there were uh, warnings given out. But the home plate uh, umpire wanted nothing to do with that. So right away, he shut it down. Now, as Mattingly came out to argue and yell for the warning being issued right away and to make sure that, you know, his player, Brinson, was all right, um, Mattingly seemed to point and look a little bit to the left of the umpire right at Posey and say something. Now, it could have been, you know, hey, Posey, like, you know, you guys are better than that. You know, you know, you're better than that. You know not to do that, blah, blah, blah. But uh, for Posey to be pegged the very next inning – after Mattingly looked at him and said that, man, oh, man, I'm actually kind of happy Mattingly got suspended one game and Straley suspended five games because in my book, you know, screw them. Yeah, and you, um, now that you bring that up, I guess Drew uh, and Kipe were discussing that, and they were saying that it looked like uh, Mattingly pointed at Posey and said, you're next. So, yep. um, it, it, you know, like you said, it wasn't really clear on what Mattingly said, but what was clear was that he obviously did point at uh, at Posey and did say something. We're just not really sure on exactly what it was. Um, which which must which must you know being being in, you know in the bleachers that you were eating a whole bunch of fries with a whole bunch of ketchup that was on television, <laughs> by the way. I, I don't oh, I don't blame you for for not seeing exactly what what transpired on that and you know you did get ripped by Crook uh, and Kai on on that as well so did I really I just thought you should know that yeah they 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 talked about your uh, obsessive ketchup display um, with your fries so yeah you got <laughs> you got mentioned there as well. Oh, that's hilarious! My friends—they all sent us the—they um, sent us the video, but uh, we didn't listen to the sound, so they had the replay. So what happened all, uh, to any of our listeners that are curious? I like to pregame with cheap beer in the McCovey Cove before going to the Giants game. So I, I, you know, I got there a little late and I had to chug a couple of Pacifico, a couple of tall boy Pacificos. So I was super thirsty, and you know, after you drink beer, you want something salty. And I'm vegan, so at the Giants game, you know, unless they go out to the center field garden or I sneak into the box uh, area, it's really hard uh, or club level area. It's hard to get good food. So I went, ordered two sets of French fries, and those fries are terrible. And I'm like, okay. Uh, we got to put lipstick on a pig somehow. So I put so much ketchup. And, Mike, the funniest thing was I wanted more ketchup, but there is, the, the ketchup dispenser was so slow I got bored. 
I wanted to go watch the game, so I left. So the funny thing was, I wanted you more have ketchup. More. I needed more ketchup. Oh God! <laughs> you could have opened oh, up your own goodness. store with all that ketchup that you had there. I was gonna say, yeah, a tomato field in there in my little patio, my little uh, you know fried <laughs> trade, but. Man, oh man, yeah, you know it was pretty bad. Once I saw, once I saw the replay of how much ketchup I had from the camera above, I was like, "Wow, that is way too much ketchup." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Good that was stuff. awesome. Good and stuff. you know, you, I didn't, I didn't even know it was you either, um, because it was such an, a higher up view, and you know, it, it, so they had had you. And I'm like, holy mackerel, that dude needs to chill on that catcher. Oh, man. <laughs> and it turns out it's you, you know, which, which was even better. But, yeah, it, yeah. So, yeah, I don't blame you for not oh, exactly man. seeing what Bruce Bochy said about uh, – or not Bruce Bochy, but Don Mattingly saying to uh, Buster Posey there. So that was kind of – eh, that was kind of, you know. I wasn't a huge fan of that, but Mike, you know, we so we finished our trip. Uh, we had a ten a ten ten game stri- uh, little trip there. We went to Washington for three, took two out of three from them. Then we dropped uh, three out of four to the Marlins, and we dropped two out of three to the Dodgers, I believe. So it wasn't the greatest trip ever, um, but you know, we did manage to go four and six, so it wasn't terrible. We kind of you know were able to tread water. Um, uh, you know, I think right now we're back to 500 after last night's huge win. Uh, but before we get to yeah. that, let's go to – let's talk a little bit about the end of the Marlins series. So, we ended up – so, when yeah, when the Marlins came back, we won uh, that Tuesday night game where uh, I had the excessive amount of catch-up. <laughs> so, we had that <laughs> game. Uh, and then the next day, we were able to win the day game. But that was a weird game, Mike. You and I were texting back and forth. Um, Alan Henson had a uh, – hit a ball off his kneecap, I believe. Uh, and it was – or yeah. his leg. And he said it was the, the hardest – Thing he's ever hit off his leg and then the funniest thing was the next day he was leading off uh he was leading or last night excuse me he was leading off and playing left field i believe or maybe not left field but he was leading yeah. off and uh he had a triple and on that triple he ended up getting let's see he made it there in 11 seconds uh and that's really yeah. fast to get to three uh you know travel three bases in 11 seconds so it was pretty cool you hear crook and kite talking oh here he goes he's rounding the base let's see how he does it and then you know, gets all the way there. So that was nice. But, yeah, back to the Marlins game. Uh, the Giants were able to squeak out a W. Uh, I believe Dyson allowed two runs in the ninth, which uh, closed it to 6-5 to five, uh, before Maranta came in to get his first career save and to clinch the series that we desperately, desperately needed to win at home against the Marlins. Uh, so that was nice. And then, yeah, um, you know, now it's against the Padres, Mike. Uh, what, what do you think about what, – what did you see from last night's game? I and mean, obviously, Madison Bumgarner was the story there. Uh, we have – tons and tons of time to talk about Mad Bum, but did you see anything from the game like to talk about before Mad Bum or anything that kind of caught your eye? You know, I, I, I like the fact, just the fact the way that Hanson plays the game. Um, he can play anywhere on that field. He hasn't played center field or right field. I probably wouldn't trust him in right field. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about his speed and how, I mean, how do he cover defense? Obviously he has enough speed to, to get, point a to point b but just how does he cover that um speed just as, as we talked about before you know it, it's more than just speed in the outfield it's how you get to point a to point b um and you know i just just love the dude man i mean he's just just always doing something always contributing some way somehow and uh I, I just hope it continues. But um and then Posey oh, you know one play that really stood out? Um that probably if you want to talk about I think I think you should, um, was the the McCutcheon to panic to Posey uh play where the guy rounded third base, headed for home and McCutcheon to panic to Posey and Posey tagged him out. Um what did you see? How did that play develop, and what 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 made it happen? I mean, why why were they able to get him out with how that how the defense developed that play? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what happened there was that the double off the wall, and I believe uh, I don't know if it was the leadoff hitter, or, but it was, it was someone pretty fast was the runner. Um, so it was the double off the right field wall. Uh, what was really big, Mike, I think the first part that I noticed that really made the play happen was that McCutcheon bare-handed the ball off the bounce. 
I know that sounds weird, but when you're an outfielder, you're taught if the ball is hit off the wall or, you know, around there on the ground, you're taught to go grab the ball and almost push it in the ground because you want to make sure that you push it and you have a grip on it, if that makes sense. So we used to do drills in high school where our coach would throw the ball to the warning track, you run back, and you have to put a divot in the dirt to show that you're, grab- you're grabbing that ball strong. So uh, most outfielders let for the ball to kind of drop, and then you just pick it up off the ground. McCutcheon caught it off the bounce, which is amazing. It bounced, I believe it bounced off the wall, off the dirt, and then it, it bounced pretty high. So he caught it about waist high, turns around, throws an absolute missile to panic. And then right here at second base, Mike, I never played much infield, but from what I you know, recollect of watching from all my bench time, um, you know, watching the middle infielders when they move their feet when they receive the ball. So as they cut off, man, uh, panic, not, he, not only did he move towards the first base line to line himself up with McCutcheon's throw, which is a little bit up the first base line, he also kept his feet moving. So to keep his feet moving towards home plate, he got the ball and fired a strike to Posey. He turned around, boom, and had a nice little swipe tag up uh, and, and got the runner who ran right past the stop sign of his third base coach. Um, yeah. Got him, you know, for a huge play. Uh, that was a big play. It was 0-0 at the time. It would have uh, definitely given the Padres some momentum. And, Mike, you got to be careful with the Padres. They love close games. I believe their closer leads the National League with uh, saves. I believe he has 24, and the Padres only have, like, 28 or uh, 28 wins or something like that. Crazy. So, uh, or he has 21 or something, something crazy like that where he's saved a you know, huge majority of their games that, you know, he's had come in to save. Uh, so, the Padres, you know, they're one of those teams that you got to be careful with. But, at the same time, I think it was awesome for Mad Bum to get on track. Um, you know, and I really think that play helped. Yeah, you know, he he was struggling, I think, a little bit, like you said. And then after that play, you just got in that mindset. And it was just shutting everybody down. And I think he's starting to he, – I don't think he's made the turn yet to being Madison um, that we know of, but he's definitely getting there. I guess they were saying that after – what is it? Five games. Um, then they usually get come back to form because, as Buster was Posey was saying during the interview after the game, that this is this is his spring training right here. This is some you know he he didn't he was out all of spring training, and after time after that, so his real first action um, is live games, and so it's going to take some time for him to to get used to you know the whole routine again and the whole muscle memory situations again. And I think, do you think he's completely back or do you think he needs uh, one more game to, to get fully back? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it was a tough break for him. He got his, his finger is what his pinky finger fractured in the last spring training game of the, right before the start of the season. So for him, like you said, you know, he's coming in cold, hasn't faced any major league hitters. I mean, he faced some major league hitters in spring training, but not like a full, you don't face a full lineup that much. Um, so for that to happen, I think, yeah, it's taken a little while. Uh, I went to his first game a couple weeks ago uh, against the Diamondbacks. He looked so-so, but not his same. Um, but he started last night. I mean, he had a sacrifice fly. He's throwing that cutter up and in. Uh, he's really starting to hit his spots and mixing his speed. Um, so I'm going to start throwing out some, some fun uh, Bumgarner stats here, Mike. So first off, uh, that was the first Bumgarner win in 271 days. That was a whopping 271 wow. days without our stud getting a W. That was 711 days since Bum's last game with eight-plus innings pitched with zero earned runs allowed. Uh, wow. It was, and then for another person, for Mr. Mark Melanson, it was uh, his first save in 366 days. So literally over a year since our boy Melanson is getting almost 10 mil a year uh, to get a save. So that was big. And, Mike, on top of that, Bumgarner got win number 105, which passed uh, Mike McCormick and Matt Cain um, for the um, for the wins for San Francisco. I believe they're fourth place or something like that. But uh, he is 133 wins short of Juan Marichal's record of 238 for the Giants. So, uh, Bum has quite a few uh, years to go until he catches Marichal. But <laughs> just to be, you know, passing Matt Cain and McCormick, that's a pretty, you know, that's pretty good company right there. Um, kind of a, a random uh, tangent here, Mike, but Matt Cain only got 105 wins. That really sucks for him. I really thought he had more. Yeah. Um, you know, he, Matt, I mean, we, we all termed, you know, you got Cain. You know, if you get Matt Cain, that means you let him one run and your offense did nothing for you, and you lost the game 1-0. So that's why Matt Cain was all these years, you know, pitching to a 9-12 and record, and he has a 2.8 URA. What the hell? So right. I kind of – Exactly. Exactly. Um, right? Freaking crazy. And then don't forget uh, yeah, also anyway. his, 
him being hurt too a lot. Um, I, you know, just this sort of a hypothetical. Him, if the Giants put up some runs and he wasn't hurt uh, for I don't know half his career or however long that was, um, how I, you know how many wins would he have really gotten? That's kind of kind of a crazy thought to think about. He might he might be up there. Uh, I don't think Bumgarner would have would have caught him at least you know not for another yeah. few years. Yeah, exactly. Because really, yeah, Matt Cannon probably left. You know, between all the terrible run support we got, some of the bullpen woes, and then also the injuries, he probably left. You know, somewhere thirty to forty wins on the table. I mean, realistically, if you want to get really crazy with it, uh, you could probably look at that. Yeah. But yeah, that is that is quite the bummer. But yeah, I mean, so now Bum's our stud, and he's our guy that you know we're going to. So the last time Mike that he didn't last five or more innings was April 11th in 2015. I'm going to repeat that. That's pretty cool. So the last time Madison Bumgarner did not last uh, more than five innings in this game he started was April 11th, 2015. So he has 85 starts in a row uh, with more than five innings pitched, and he's only two short of tying Kurt Schilling's National League record of 87 with the Phillies from 97 to 2000. Wow. Dang. That is some – Yeah, and you and I were talking – oh, go ahead, uh, I was just going to say, that just shows a couple of things. A, dominance. Um, he's not getting pulled out of the game. He's not getting ripped. Uh, you know, even though he might not win the game, it shows that he is at least in control of the game. And two, uh, the fact that, you know, just other things, he's not getting injured on the mound. He, he's, uh, his pitch count isn't through the roof. It just it means a whole whole lot of different individual tangible things that people don't I don't think really put into how important saves the bullpen probably the number one thing it saves the bullpen so absolutely that that importance is is kind of insane in itself yeah Mike and and some cool things I mean he had the only RBI of the game through seven and a half innings so the Giants can score again to a bottom of the eighth so his sack fly and to score Pablo Sandoval that was pretty funny right you have the panda hustling home you have Mad Bum hitting yeah. sack fly but um and another funny thing Mike is that with two outs and two on in the bottom of the seventh of a one nothing game Madison Bumgarner was allowed to hit I'm gonna repeat that so there's two outs two runners on right and we had two outs and they allowed Bumgarner to hit any other hitter in the National League maybe besides like Jake Arrieta or something they're gonna be pulled for a pinch hitter Right, you have to. There's no way. Right. You, you know, you, I know it's one zero, but if you have two out and two on, you have you know guys on base and at least one guy in scoring position. You got to get a real hitter up there. Um, and Bumgarner's just that good. And he worked a good count. Um, I believe they kept throwing him curveballs, curveballs. I think I don't know if it was still Tyson Ross, but yeah, curveball, curveball. Oh yeah, and last night's starter is from Oakland, which is pretty cool. Tyson Ross on the Padres. Uh, oh. He went to Bishop O'Dowd. Yeah, I didn't know that. Him and his brother, yeah, him and his brother Joe Ross um, were studs out of there. And I think they went to Burt Keeley after. Anyway, um, for Mad Bum and Mike, he just missed a three-run homer by half an inch. I mean, he had a, a huge soaring fly ball to left field um, that, you know, off the bat, you thought had a chance, then you remember, oh, we're at AT&T. We're not in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, as soon as I saw that, I, I thought it was out. I really did. I was just like, oh, he got it. He did it again. He He hit another home run, and then – you know, then they automatically show the left fielder, you know, way in front of the fence to, to erase that that thought. But yeah, it, it, like you said, it must have just missed it just because it, it off the bat, I was just like, oh, that's out of here. And just the way he batted that whole that whole plate approach looked like a professional hitter. He, as you say, he took the pitches. Uh, he got he got a pitch he could hit, and he hits it. And that just the natural ability to be able to do that when a pit, when you're a pitcher who gets, you know, three at bats uh, a week if they're lucky, um, and they just go up there and just do that is just amazing how how well he can hit that ball. Yeah, and Mike, something cool is that uh, Bumgarner got to face Eric Hosmer for the first time since the 2014 World Series. So Hosmer, as you guys all know, signed a massive contract with the Padres uh, this past offseason to leave the Royals. Uh, and Hosmer was a massive part of the Royals team that, uh, you know, damn near beat us in the World Series. Took us game seven, you know, yeah. every single out we needed for the, the one-run victory. But, yeah, Madbum faced him top of the ninth inning of that historic, historic run and struck him out uh, when he was on the Royals. And then right away, comes back, and it's his first time seeing him as a Padre. Boom, strikes him out right away. 
Now, Mike, another thing I want to point out is that Hosmer had a huge at-bat um, to end the eighth inning and to end Madison Bumgarner's night. That really uh, shows how dominant Bumgarner was last night. So what happened was uh, it was still 1-0, and I believe it was the bottom, or the, excuse me, the top of the eighth. Uh, Will Myers is up with two outs, and he worked an eight, a seven- or eight-pitch walk. Uh, had a couple foul balls. I think he had one or two foul balls. Really worked a good at bat, uh, made Bum struggle, uh, made him pitch around all types of different, you know, all the quadrants of the zone, trying to hit his spots, couldn't get it. And then they get Bumgarner in the stretch uh, against Hosmer. Hosmer can, you know, if he puts a double in the gap, it ties the game, he puts one over the wall, it's their lead. Hosmer swings at the first pitch and hits a weak, weak tapper back to Bumgarner, and Bumgarner grabs it, tosses it to first base. Nice and easy is done's night. Is done's night. His night is done after 100 pitches, which is awesome. But Mike, what showed me that uh, Bumgarner was a stud is that Hosmer was swinging first pitch. I mean, that guy just. I mean, uh, Myers worked really good at that, and Hosmer still didn't want to see any pitches. Still didn't. You know, maybe he had an idea of what he was going to get. But if you're going to hit a tapper back to the pitcher, that's pretty uh, demoralizing for your team, especially when you're in the heart of the order, batting third or fourth, like Hosmer is. Yeah. Yeah, and you know when you when you do that, and it's such a and talking about you know demoralizing. I remember Brandon Belt being sort of the same way, where it would just be bases loaded with one out, and he'd hit a you know a little weak chopper right to the pitcher. You know those kind of right. things, and that's just you know it just hurts your hurts your yourself your self esteem, your your you know your teammates, and it just brings everybody's down because. They're looking at you. They they're hoping that you're going to capitalize on such a situation, especially if you're already built up after a great great at bat and right before you, and you come up and you ground out to the pitcher, and it's just you know oh just heart heartfelt because it's you're especially when you're struggling as a team like the Padres are, and every win is so important to you, and you're getting there, and it looks good, and you're holding you know the Giants to just one run, I think at the time and everything is working. And then that happens and you're just like, Oh my goodness. So yeah, it, it, it hurts you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And then Mike, a few last things before we wrap up this uh, Mad Bum segment and, and go to something else I want to talk about. Uh, let's see. Mad Bum, some of my notes, he had to get four outs in seventh innings um, after he had two outs. And uh, then he struck a batter out, but the ball got way past Posey. Uh, it was a dirty, dirty curveball in the dirt that nothing could happen. So I uh, don't think Posey could do. So he had to get four outs in the seventh. That was pretty cool. And then also, Mike, his, uh, I believe he had eight strikeouts. I might be wrong. But his last strikeout yeah. was a gift third strike call, uh, which meant he was dealing and hitting the glove. Uh, what I mean by that is the ball was a little outside, but Posey was doing, A, a great job of framing it, and, B, he was calling, Posey was calling a great game. And him and Mad Bum are just in sync, hitting the glove, you know, looking like they're going to it. And, you know, a lot of times if the pitcher is going to hit the glove, it's going to give the umpire much better uh, reason to call a strike, right? If you don't have to move your glove that much, if your shoulders stay pretty square, then that's going to look like a strike. So I like that a lot. Now, Mike, one thing I wanted to talk about uh, last night was between the bottom of the eighth inning and the top of the ninth. We had all types of crazy stuff happening. So I'm going to start off. uh, So Hanson had that awesome leadoff triple in 11 seconds that we talked about. Um, That was a little dangerous, Mike, in my opinion, because uh, he has a hurt knee or hurt leg, and there was no outs, and we had a heart of our order coming up. Um, so I wasn't a huge fan because if he gets thrown out of third base for the first out, uh, that's, you know, cardinal sin in baseball. Is you don't make the first or last out at third base, uh, you know, since you're already in scoring position at second base, uh, which is kind of funny because McCutcheon then tried to steal, I think when Panic was up, and on 2-2 count, McCutcheon tried to steal yeah. and got thrown out for the last out of that inning for the at third base, and I wanted to ask you about that later, so we'll try to think about that in a second. But um, so Hanson has a leadoff triple, and then Posey has a huge RBI um, to knock him in. But it was awesome because the infield was in. So all you have to do when the infield's in as a hitter, you think up the middle or in the air. So Posey was able to push the ball up the middle just past the shortstop. I mean, like maybe three or four inches past the shortstop's glove um, for that for that single to give us that two nothing uh, lead that we really really needed. Uh, but Mike. Something that scared me with Posey, this is kind of strange to complain about it after he had an awesome hit and after he scored, but he almost hurt himself fighting into home plate. Um, There's a two-out error uh, on Pablo Sandoval's little squib to short right. So Posey was on second base, 
and they hit a little uh, – Pablo hits a little squib. He was batting from the right side, which is usually his bad side. So he's batting from the right side, hits a little squib to the second baseman that the Padres second baseman dropped. Uh, he then promptly picks it up and fires home to get Posey, but Posey slid in safely, but he had a really high – slide and what I mean by high slide is like his body kind of elevated almost he didn't stay low with the ground and he didn't glide he kind of popped up almost it was a very strange slide and I was kind of nervous for a second that an air a two out air for uh you know seemingly unnecessary run a third run instead of you know just a two nothing lead uh would cost us another superstar player not that Evan Longoria is a superstar but losing you know all these other players like Cueto and Bum and now Shark those guys are all you know they all combined to be a superstar, at least in some of those uh, regards. Um, you know, it was just something that freaked me the heck out, Mike, seeing him slide like that. So you never want to see Posey get hurt. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that would be that would be ultimately the probably the most devastating. Him, him, and Bumgarner are are our team. You know, they're the faces of our team, Absolutely. and to see any of them go down, either one of those. I mean, obviously, like you're saying as well, is that. You don't want to see anybody go down because it hurts the rest of the team. But if those guys, those guys going down, oh, it's it's really devastating, even more so than anybody else. And I, I was worried myself when I saw that, and he did like a barrel roll or, or something, and just yeah. got caught up in dirt. And I was like, oh my goodness! And luckily he jumped right up, and nothing was wrong. But yeah, I, at first when I saw him barrel roll and and that, I was just like, because that's usually when players get hurt is when you see them do do a bad slide and do some kind of you know stunt barrel roll or whatever kind of uh, stunt afterwards that they get hurt. And so luckily we got lucky. So um, it's about time and we have some seriously. kind of luck. And then, Mike, to the top of that inning, I want to talk about Melanson coming in. So, <laughs> this is kind of messed up, but uh, back in the day, I guess up until we had uh, Brian Wilson. So, we had Brian Wilson, we had Rob Nan. Those are the kind of two big favorite, you know, closers I remember from my uh, childhood and whatnot. Um, those are the guys where, you know, the Giants have runners on. You're like, ooh, no, no, keep a three-run lead. We want the save stat, right? That's kind of stupid. But um, for all of you that don't know, um, uh, if you if their team is winning by four or more runs, you don't get the save. Uh, it needs to be a three-run lead or less. Um, and there's a couple of different bylaws and weird things in there. But yeah, anyway, so it used to be back in the day, you know, if the Giants are threatening to score a fourth, you know, a, you know, go up by four in the eighth, and you're like, no, 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 stop, 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 come on, save it for the closer. Now, Mike, I'm like, please score twenty because guess what? Yeah, we have no semblance of a close right now. Not. And this is going to – I'm going to knock Karen Melanson after he got his first save in the year. But, I mean, we just are all over the place. Dyson let up two runs in the top of the ninth before Morant had to come close the game against the Marlins. Uh, we had Melanson last night looking a little shaky. Um, so what I'm going to talk about, Mike, when I say shaky, he, he did a great job, right? He got three outs. He only allowed one runner on. Um, but he fell in love with his curveball. You know, I, I was trying, I was texting you a little bit about this last night about Melanson and whatnot, and I was writing my notes um, as we were texting. Um, he fell in love with his curveball early and against the first bat in the ninth inning, and he kept throwing it. I believe he got him to a two-strike count, but he had thrown his curveball three or four times so the the hitter, I forgot who the hitter was, but he knew exactly what it looked like. You know what I mean? He knew the sharp, the the, the big boom, drop off the top, uh, the big sharp breakdown, and uh, Melanson just hung one. I mean, he threw one up at the belt that should have been hit in the left field bleachers, but was only hit for a single, luckily. Um, yeah. And then what happened next, Michael, kind of scared me, is that Melanson's velo, is, uh, velocity, excuse me, is sitting at 91. Now, you know, he never was... You know, we, we didn't we didn't expect him to come over and start, you know, pumping 95 to 98 like Brian Wilson. Uh, but at the same time, for him to be throwing 90, 91, um, it was kind of scary. And then on top of that, a lot of the hits were soft contact, but they were rollovers. Uh, this kind of could be hubris on my end that, you know, you want a flamethrowing closer that everyone's laid on and making contact to the right side. Uh, but for having your closer, you know, if everyone's out in front of your closer and rolling over, that means that, you know, they're, they're just a little bit away from hitting a home run, right? They're just the timing, but you know, it's not, it's not a, you know, the speed's not the problem. It's just the timing, right? It's the, the curve, the break and all that. So they're seeing him and they're still putting the ball in play. Uh, he had two, they had two rollovers at Crawford and Crawford made some nice plays and belt had a great scoop. Um, and then he got a really uh, generous strike three call to end the game, uh, Melanson did, uh, to even our season series with the Padres. Yeah. But, Mike, uh, Melanson just, uh, you know, he's still coming back. He's still working on it. But what do you, what do you think? When, when you watch him, when you see him, is there anything that you picked up? 
Um, yeah, and it's everything you're talking about. It, he let's put it this way: when if if they're going to decide on Melanson as a closer for for whatever reasons right now, whether it's money or the fact that you know who he is and those kind of things, I'm not here in him um, staying that way. I after yeah, what I saw, not at all. Day, <laughs> no. it, yeah, it, it, and everything you're you're saying, the hits. Even though they're not, you know, ropes out into Triple's Alley or, or anything like that, he really did not look like a closer out there at all. He looked like a middle reliever or, you know, someone that comes in in kind of specialty situations. And just even though we, we got the save and I love it, it, it really didn't instill a whole lot of confidence in me that he he should be our closer. And so far, the only person that's shown that is Maranta, and he's only gotten one out. So it was an important out, but <laughs> that's all he has. So we we really even don't know about him either. So uh, it's it's like it's like every, the last few years again. We our bullpen that is supposed to be so great that it looks you know always great is doesn't look so great to close out this to the games and closer by um, committee. Yeah, and that's like that's like the worst thing. I mean, if you don't have a closer on your team, and you know, and they have how many? The uh, Dyson has been a closer. Obviously, um, Melanson's been a closer. Uh, yeah, Strickland. Yeah, Strickland. So I think Will Smith like was a closer for Tony Watson might have closed yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And none of them can close now. What What the hell? So. Um, yeah, it's a mess right now, and hopefully that was just a sort of a bad outing for Melanson, and you know he comes back and dominates. But and then, and then also, as you touched on his speed, it's it's not closer closer like you know you, the the closers have that or look more like Maranta than they do uh, Melanson with speed. So um, <laughs> exactly. So um, I don't know what they're going to do. One thing, Mike. But, yeah. That kind of sparked my interest was last night. Okay, so I, I'm, you and I have talked about this. I'm actually not a fan of the Giants' bullpen, the way they have their um, the actual bullpen mound on the field. Um, our bullpen hmm. issues aside, I'm not a fan of our actual bullpen um, because we're one of three teams, I believe, with an on-field bullpen. I think it's the A's and the Rays, and those are not two teams you want to be combined with. And, Mike, you and I touched on this when um, Mac Williamson had his concussion uh, from tripping on the bullpen. Uh, you know, yes. I talked about this, and I said, you know, hey, I'm not a huge fan of the on-field bullpen. I'd love for us to move it. You know, it's tough to move it maybe in that little left, uh, you know, right by the left field foul pole area where they have um, the little, like, air, uh, little way, but that's another way. That's an ambulance and everything. They need to go there. Um, but, Mike, one thing that kind of bothered me last night was that after Melanson got, um, you know, looked a little uh, troublesome and got that first batter on, and, and then I think it was a man on second base with one out after the slow roller and Crawford had to go to first base, um, Bochi sent Will Smith to go warm up. Now, yeah. the reason that it's huge is that when you have an on-field bullpen, all your bullpen pitchers are in the dugout. So for them to have to get loose, leave the dugout right by the third base area and jog all the way down to left field in the eyesight of the pitcher, that has to rattle them, right? And then, you know, you think yeah. of places like, you know, Washington or St. Louis or places where the, the bullpen's way out of the way. So the pitcher has no idea who the hell's warming up. Right, unless they turn around and peer all the way back there and try to see if they can see, like, over the wall. You know, something crazy like that. But for the Giants, I mean, that's right there. Okay, hey, we have three guys getting up. We have our bullpen catcher. We have the guy protecting our bullpen catcher. And we have Will Smith getting up. So how do, what does that do for his confidence? You know what I mean? It kind of bothered me. Right. Yeah, and, and you're right so. about that. You know, and another thing to add to that is if we had a, an enclosure of some sort – Melanson doesn't even know anybody's warming up. You know, he, he not only, you know, would, would he maybe not even see, but he wouldn't even know. And, you know, it's, it's those kind of things where, where if, you know, you see someone come in that's going to replace you, especially someone with, with, and I'm sure Melanson has a lot of pride. He, he's been a successful closer and to sort of struggle a little bit and to see Will Smith just pop up right away and come out. You, you, those little fire alarms have got to go off in your head and go, okay, what am I doing wrong? I got to fix it. How do I fix it? And 
that's the last thing you want a pitcher to be thinking. If at all thinking, you just want him to throw. So if he's thinking about, you know, how long do I have and am I failing again for the Giants? They're paying me all this money. Am I failing again? <laughs> am I, you know, all those kind of things. So it's, it's, it's got to be nerve wracking for, for a pitcher like that to, to see those kind of things. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, Mike, so one thing that was actually pretty cool is last night against the Padres, that was our eighth shutout of the year. So last year we only had five. So to already have three more shutouts than last year, I mean, what, what do you think about that? That's pretty cool. That was one of my favorite stats I randomly found. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, even before the All-Star break, we already have three more shutouts than we did last year. And that, that shows a testament not only to our starting pitching, but to our bullpen as well. And that's what you want to see. You want to see, you know, low one run, zero runs. And if you can get zero runs and get eight games, now I don't know how that is compared to the rest of the league, but I know that the league is, is higher scoring now, I believe, because of the pitch, exactly. pitch clock. And so um, to have even that, to have a higher scoring league than, than normal um, and also have eight shutouts on top of that is – you would figure they would be, you know, five, six games over 500, not at 500, but here we yeah, are. exactly, right? So that was kind of cool. And then also Brandon Belt helped break up the no-hitter last night. That's one thing I noticed. It was the fourth inning, I believe, and we are getting no hit. Uh, but I think it was the bottom of the fourth, and Belt got a, a base hit, and that broke up the Padres' next bid for their first ever no-hitter for their franchise. So that was nice to keep the Friars away from no-hitting us. You know, it's always not that we have that much of a rivalry with the Padres anymore, but for those of us that remember the Matt Latos days and you know, way back uh, when they had Craig Kimbrell and they were studs, that was uh, – they didn't have Craig Kimbrell. They had another closer offer they had. But anyway, yeah, I mean, the Padres not as <laughs> threatening anymore since they just totally took apart their entire team. But still, yeah, it was kind of fun. Um Mike, another thing we I kind of forgot to talk about was on that play with McCutcheon to pen, uh, to panic to P- Posey. Yeah. Uh, for that out, that was McCutcheon's fourth assist this year, and Pence last year led us with five. So that's another thing where we have already either uh, a passed or b you are know, about to pass super uh, soon here, which is really impressive for like you said before the All Star break. You know, and that that's interesting that it's coming out of right field instead of left field, and I, I don't know if that's a normal thing as far as outfield assists because, you know, for whatever reason. But in my mind, left field would be because it's closer to third base, it's closer to home, and those kind of things. So, to me, left field would be more the assist area, but uh, yeah, it's, that's a good it seems point. like it's coming out of right field. So, I don't know if that's normal yeah, you know, or, I think, or what. Yeah, I think, I think it's normal because you just test the right fielder usually because it's such a far throw. But at the same time, that's why the managers put their best player or their best arm in right field. So, you know, a lot of times it kind of backfires if you do test them because you get caught like they did last night and then it doesn't work out so well. Yeah, well, yeah, especially if you're busting through stop signs, you know. Yeah, that sign, man. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what he was thinking, too. I wonder if he caught that and, like, halfway down the baseline he was like, Oh shit! <laughs> That's what coach meant. Okay, yeah, I'm out. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm toast. It wasn't even close oh, yeah. either. I mean, it, nah, it was bad. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, <laughs> he just tried to jump around them. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, yeah. Um, um, Mike. Oh, speaking of something up in your area, Mike is all our listeners know there. My lovely partner, Mike, was up there in Sacramento. So, right now, we have Shark rehabbing in Sacramento. Uh, I believe Quayle yeah. is going to do a rehab start tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, so last night, Shark rehabbed, and he got his velo up to 95 miles per hour. Um, I believe he had set, he had five Ks in the first three innings, which is impressive. And then he had seven overall seven overall strikeouts uh, in his outing. I don't know how long he lasted, Mike, but he uh, they only said that he went 73 pitches, uh, allowed four hits, and two earned runs. Uh, the last hitter, he four ended with a filthy slider. Oh, you have four innings? Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if it was four or five, but yeah. Um, and then yeah. he ended the last hitter on a filthy slide piece for the K. Uh, and the only little nick that he had is he let up an absolute bomb that the left fielder, Chris Shaw, didn't even move for. So usually, if your outfielder is not even bothering to look at the ball and just stays there with <laughs> straight forward, that's just a sign that, oh, my God, that ball's hit so far, I don't want to be caught watching. 
because I've had a knee hike a couple of times. You just look down. You're like, nope, just look down. I don't want to. I don't want to acknowledge that ball's existence. So that's going to be 50 feet over the fence. <laughs> it's like next pitch, please. Because <laughs> this one, yeah, right? You is see, done. Everyone's one's a pitcher. Like right, a, right away they just ask for a ball. Like, yep, go right to the umpire, ask for a ball. I don't even care. That call that ball's so gone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that kind of reminds me. I, I don't know if you saw it, but um, the minor, the um, what is it, the Little League Baseball World Series? I think this was about three years ago, where one of the players just like jacked it, like just absolutely rocketed out of out of the field, and the pitcher turns around and he's just in awe of it. He's just like, "Oh my God!" No, I, that, I, I did see it. I did see it. <laughs> and that's awesome. That's just pure joy to see that. Like you're 12 years old, and yeah. you see a ball get yeah. you know, hit 300 feet off of you for, you know, 100 foot over the 100 feet over the 200 foot fence. Man, like, you just got to, like, yo, good job, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, partner, I was going to say, I used to do the opposite. I was a total jackass. So when I played outfield, um, you know, most of the home runs that were hit off my pitcher, I would always run to the warning track and just camp under an imaginary ball and just pretend like I'm going to catch the ball. So I'd, make, I'd kind of I mess it. with the hitter, and then they see the ball go, you know, 20 feet over the fence, and they're, you know, tripping around second base. But that's probably why they threw high up and in fastballs at me after that. So they're all getting beamed. Yeah, right? Like, oh, my God. Throw it up and in my ugly face. Ugly finder. Um, so, oh, yeah, in Sacramento, Mike, I was doing some research on Ray Black. Uh, you know, we were talking about our bullpen oh, yeah. options and how we could get help. Ray Black's pumping smoke. So, last night he had um, he had his stuff going. Every fastball was at least 98 miles per hour, and I believe he topped out at 100, which is awesome. If you can hit triple digits on the radar gun, you are pumping absolute shed. Uh, he had two strikeouts, one single. And the single was on a first pitch 100 miles per hour. So I think the batter was waiting for fastball. <laughs> uh, and then they got a pop-up. So, Mike, some cool stats I picked up from him. He has 26 strikeouts this year in the minors and 15 innings of work. Uh, last year Dang. when he was with the Giants, uh, he had seven strikeouts and three walks and three appearances. So that's way too many walks for that many strikeouts. This year he only has six. So, he has, like I said, so in 15 innings of work this year in the minor leagues, he has 26 strikeouts and six walks. So I think the Giants nice. are going to get a lot better on his K-to-walk ratio, and, man, he's, he's producing. So uh, that might be a name that we might see up here soon if our bullpen keeps on punching walls and, you know, needing three pitchers to get, work the ninth inning for a save. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely brings the heat, too. So, um, yeah, why not? I, also, on top of minor league news, they, uh, they optioned Kelby back to – Triple A, oh, so yeah. he's back there. And yeah, yeah, he's just not playing a role. Um, Cueto is is pitching t- tomorrow, as you mentioned. Now oh, with yeah. both Shark, Shark and Cueto coming back in in the imminent future, um, what? If you were to pick one through five, the starting rotation, what what five would you uh, oh. how would you pick one wow. top five? Good question. Good question. Okay. Okay. Well, we are right-handed heavy, so that means uh, one of our lefty guys is gonna have to stay. Uh, if that makes sense. So I'm gonna put my money on Derek Holland being the you know established veteran that he is. Um, I don't even know is Holland who leads our team and wins. It might be Holland, but anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that's a scary question. I don't want to look up right now. Um, yeah, but right. you know, so okay, so I have Mad Bum, obviously Mad Bum one, Cueto two, Shark three, um, man, and then I mean, I know you don't like to, you, you, you would like to put a lefty somewhere in the three four range, another lefty to kind of balance it out. But I mean, to be honest, if you just go and you know top top to bottom, I put Rodriguez at the four slot and then Holland at the five. Uh, you could bump out Stratton. Uh, you could bump out any other tie block. All those guys, all the longer relief guys, they could be, like we said, longer relief. Um, but right now, my one through five, if we're healthy, uh, and you know we have all hands on deck, I'm gonna say Bum, Cueto, Shark, one, two, three, and then we have Rodriguez four and Derek Holland, our our other lefty five. So I guess we go back to back lefties, five and one, uh, and then three righties in a row. But if you want the talent-wise, I think that would be best. What do you think, partner? 
Um, I think the I think Holland would be four, um, and then the five anywhere from Rodriguez to Stratton um, to I can't think of the Sanchez. I think it is. Um, oh, yeah, Suarez. I mean, it's, Suarez. Yes. Um, it's such a toss up. Um, maybe you you just have to. One of them will probably go back to AAA. I would imagine and. Maybe, yeah, absolutely. and then the other would be in the bullpen. So I would probably go with whoever has the most options available and send him to AAA, uh, which is probably Rodriguez, which I don't want to see go. I mean, the guy is just dominant. Um, so yeah, right. Yeah, that's probably how I would do it. And then it would be up between Suarez and Stratton and flip a coin with those two guys because they're both they've both developed really well uh since the beginning of the season they both of them have just been pitching incredibly well um and it would be hard to see either one of them go but obviously one of them has to go and yeah i i don't know i go with uh with suarez just because i think he's a left-hander and that's just more important right now than than having a than having stratton who's a right-hander um yeah, so yeah, I would go Suarez, Suarez, uh, Holland as my four or five guys. Yeah, all right. I mean, yeah, I mean it's all, it's all, it's it's a luxury, right? It's a luxury for happy. Oh, I don't want to send this guy down. Oh, I don't want this guy to go. Um, you know, from what we're what we're used to. Uh, but yeah, and Mike, we're, uh, I know we're approaching the end of our show here, but I wanted to wish a very happy. 115th birthday, <laughs> obviously not alive, but 115th birthday of the <laughs> New York Giant Hall of Famer Carl Hubble, one of the great pitchers um, of his era. So he had five straight 21 seasons from 1933 to 1937 and won a World Series. So, Mr. Carl Hubble, thank you very much for helping us put a little uh, pennant up there, a little banner on the Giants World Series uh, flag, even though we didn't win it in San Francisco. Uh, it's still, you know, cool to have the franchise, uh, you know, total because, yeah, it's a lot harder nowadays to win a championship than it was back then. <laughs> yeah, 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 a little bit. Never be we have, you know, a few more teams now in the league than they did back back then. I mean, Mike, before uh, before we go real quick, but, I mean, think about it. Like, things like Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak, that will never be broken because DiMaggio, he was facing the pitcher, you know, a third and a fourth time who was throwing probably 75-80. Because these guys, you know, the starting pitchers are pitching the whole game on, you know, two, three days rest. So DiMaggio is not, it's not like these days, you know, not to knock on DiMaggio, he's one of my favorite players ever, but it's not like these days where you face the starter two times and then you have a guy coming in throwing 100 in the seventh inning and you have a guy coming in throwing, you know, left-hand sidearm 95 like Andrew Miller. You know what I mean? You have these guys where right. there's going to be games that you get out. Um, there's some crazy stat, like Mike Trout in like four or five years, something crazy. He's reached. He hasn't not reached base in two games in a row in like five years. Does that make sense? So he's only gone one game at a time without reaching base. And even that reaching base, you can get on an air, on a hit by pitch, on a walk, on a fielder's choice, all those things, right? That just shows me that Dimaggio's 56 game hit streak, which could have been, I believe, at least 73, because he had a um, he had he played against Cleveland on game 57, and then he made two diving stops at third base to rob him of a hit. And then he probably went on a 16-game hitting streak right after that. So, um, yeah, some weird random stats I could pull out of my head. But, yeah, um, just, yeah, all, this, all these bizarre things. But, yeah, we were talking about the Yankees and World Series and how easy it was back then or how much easier it was back then to win. And, yeah, I don't think any team is catching the Yankees. I think they have, what, 27, 28 World Series? It's unreal. No, and you're absolutely right about that. It, um, the pitching has just changed so much, as you mentioned, with bullpens coming in and, if, I think if anybody is going to even come close to that, it's probably going to be out of the American League just because their pitchers stay in a lot longer than they do in the National League. Uh, yeah. And that, that, that's what needs to happen. Now, I think – I don't know who's second. I think Pete Rose is second uh, with, uh, with 45. What, what, Maggio had, what, 54, right? I think that's what it uh, – 54 56. games? 56. 56 games. And I think – Rose had uh, 40-something, 42, 43, I think. Um, and, and that's and unbelievable. That's insane. insane. Yeah. Um, 
And he was out of the National League when he did that. I think he did that with the Phillies. So who knows? You know, exactly. you, you never know what what's going to happen. But yeah, that's and real quick, partner. Now that now say. that gambling is legalized in certain states, can Pete Rose be put in the Hall of Fame? Uh, something to think about for the next couple couple days. <laughs> that's something yeah, you know now, that. But... You know that, that that's something we can talk about. Let's talk about that next week. Where uh, I like to talk about that and get your thoughts on on what you yeah. think about that. Well, yeah, for sure. There. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All righty, partner. Um, have a great well, work, workout. Laugh. You know, oh, I'm sorry, what? I did it. I said, no, I, absolutely. I, I planned leg day yesterday, so I get my Friday happy day, so I don't have to do lower half workouts. So I am super excited. Oh. I got a late start to my day. It's 65 degrees and sunny right here on the coast, so I'm going to walk outside and take my sweet time breathing in the fresh ocean breeze. So I am beyond ecstatic. And we got a bunch of Giants games coming up. Big old homestand, so I'm just more and more excited for baseball, Mike. Cannot wait for next week to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. All right, partner. Have a, have a good uh, have a good rest of your day and great weekend. You too, partner. Take it easy. Thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah, thank you. All right. Bye bye.